Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So let me just remind everybody too, I'm, I'm going to just uh, backtrack to uh, uh, speaking for... Tristan and Jade Lewis last week, but I did speak the week before, and I just feel again, I'll suddenly get like uh, something, and I just feel like the Lord is saying to me, talk about this. It's funny, I'll go back to messages I did six months ago, and I'm like, all right, wow, okay, whatever, on that message. But at the time, I just knew I have to speak on this message. This is what I've got from the Lord right now. And sometimes I'm like, it's not, it's not what, it's not particularly doing too much for me, but I know God's saying to me, speak it for the family, speak of a church. It's very interesting. So I'll look at a message and go, okay, right, wow. But I know, again, this, what I'm talking about right now, which I talked about just before uh, I was speaking last week for Jade and Tristan, for those who know those guys, that um, the Lord wanted me to touch on true faith because I was pointing out how in the day we live right now, there's a lot of Christian motivational speaking going on. And I just touched on that, and I want to stay with this theme because you'll hear different speakers and one, one of the pastors, they're all good people, they all mean well, but one of the pastors putting out, you know, you are enough on his tweet, and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Got a big church, I want to tweet back, I'm not enough. And that's why I'm here. I'm not enough. I can never be enough without Jesus. And, uh, and then another one tweeted out, you know, motivational. You get the crowds with this. Be tweeted out, you got this. I ain't got nothing yet. I ain't got this. People who think they got this usually end up in a ditch. Pride comes before a fall, right? So what I do is say, Lord, I give this to you. Father, I pray that, Lord, you will touch it. You'll anoint it. Because, Lord, if it's got my hand all over it, and it's all by my effort, this is not going to work or last. So we have to be very careful, everybody, that we're not running on a motivational speech, but we are running, and what we're doing with our Heart for the House offering is all coming from a place of true faith. True faith. And many times, I know today, some people don't understand Christianity, and so we've got to be very careful that we don't assume that you do. And that we just don't, hey, have motivation for motivation's sake. It's got to be built on something, built on a foundation. So I'm just going to go back and talk about just a couple of things. Because I really want to just keep pressing at home that this is what real Christianity is. And uh, so that you've got that. So that when you understand what we're doing as a church, it's flowing from the Word of God, not because we're excited about excitement, <laughs> which can happen. So... If you become a Christian, everybody, just again, just remind a couple of scriptures I mentioned. The Bible tells us that if you become a Christian, your life is now empowered. So I was not a Christian. Sue was not a Christian. We were not empowered. We were broken. Our families were broken. And then Paul nailed it when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation. It's the power of God. So the gospel of salvation, when you receive Christ, immediately... When you, not receiving religion, but when you say, Jesus, I humble myself, I lay down my life, you are born into his kingdom by the Holy Spirit and you are empowered. You're empowered. Right now, you're sitting next to somebody. If they've been born again, they've been empowered by God. 
And that's why the world, if you're not, a, if you, worldly people will never understand Christians. They'll never get it. Never understand. It's like a kangaroo looking in the headlights of a 4x4 down at Bluff Knoll. Confused. <laughs> Can't get it. Because they don't realize we haven't had some kind of, um, <laughs> you know, I didn't have a, a training course to empower me. I was empowered supernaturally. So from the day I received Christ, I went forward and I was changed and changing. And then the Bible says God hasn't given us, uh, for the Spirit of God gave us, that he gave us, does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Now these, these are what the Holy Spirit is doing to change you when you are following God and drawing near. You're being empowered to overcome these things. And so fear begins to leave. So if you're a Christian, you're walking with the Lord. Listen, if you're really walking with the Lord, fear starts to leave. The controlling fear, it starts to go. And Colossians 1 says we're being strengthened with all power according to us. No, according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance. What does that mean? So you stick with following the Lord. You stick with serving the Lord when you don't feel like it. There's things that sometimes you don't feel like. I don't always feel like after 40 years of salvation, getting up and preaching every week, I feel like lying on the couch and eating pizza. Not that I do that too much. <laughs> Got to have integrity, right? It has occurred. <laughs> but... You don't live your life with feelings. I'm not saying don't feel feelings. I feel feelings all the time, all different ones. That's fine. But it's what you empower, what you give legitimacy to. If you give legitimacy to feelings of selfishness, that will take you out. Self-pity is the most useless emotion you can ever have. It's useless. No benefit whatsoever. And so I will not empower that emotion ever, yet I have felt that emotion. Do you want to see what I'm saying? So you can feel an emotion, that's fine, but just don't empower it. The Bible tells us we're being strengthened with all power. We're being strengthened with all power. We're being strengthened with all power. You're being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Not your might, his might. You're being strengthened with all power. Come on, this is big. You are being strengthened with all power. You are not weak, you are strong. Come on, you are not weak, you are strong. You are not failing, you are strong in Jesus' name. And then Acts 19 says, in this way too, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. When God's word spread, it grew in power. There was power in the church. There was power in uh, people's lives. Um, you know, I'm, I'm convinced we, we're praying for people every week getting healed. Um, if you're not healed in an area, come and be prayed for. If you need to have a baby and you're not having a baby, come and have a baby. <laughs> we'll keep praying for you. Sometimes it doesn't happen for some people. And, you know, we've got to just say, Lord, every day we commit to you, whether we have children or whether we have a job or whether we have a house. Or... But we'll keep praying if you keep coming. But I got, you know, I was just thinking, um, I had another little, I had to have a biopsy the other day on something. And the guys anointed me with oil anyway. And then the doctor said to me, oh, well, that's surprising. This is where his response to me was. He said, it's, it's not uh, anything. And I went, hmm, not surprising to me. <laughs> so, so the Lord's a healing God. He's healing God. I had another, you know, they were trying to tell me a genetic thing years ago. 
just talking about the power of God. And this doctor said to me, no, you've definitely got this genetic thing operating, right? And I said to him, I haven't. And he said to me, yeah, I'm telling you, you have your result here. And I said, well, I'm a Christian. I don't believe that I have. So I said, run another test. <laughs> so I came back here, got the guys to anoint me with oil again. don't know if you remember that. I said, anoint me with oil. They're telling me this story. I go back and he goes, hmm. Well, it turns out you're under the marker. You've just got one genetic thing. So that's fine. I went, thank you. you. You told me you definitely got it. Listen, being strengthened with all power. By his stripes, Isaiah 53 says, I'm healed. So as a believer, you have the right to say Jesus and claim your healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And if you're not healed, don't stop. All I know is if you're not healed, say, Jesus, help me to continue to lift my faith up to the level of your word, not to the level of my symptoms or the level of my circumstance. Don't bring your faith down. Keep bringing it up. Because there's some things that soon I've been, you know, believing for for years and then a breakthrough came. Don't stop. You know, the Bible tells us to everybody, and I just want to go through this again, that being a Christian, Matthew 7, 13 to 27, this passage, if you can just take a note of this, it's really got me at the minute. It's really grabbed me again. Because the Bible is saying to us here, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets, Jesus said, who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name, Lord, perform many miracles? The Bible says, and then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. Goes on and says, therefore, everyone who hears, who hears, Jesus is saying basically here, not everyone's going to hear this, but he says, everybody who does hear these words of mine and acts on them, would be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell on the flood, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, slammed against that house, and it fell, and there was a great collapse. Jesus said here, everybody, we need to realize again the day we live in, Global Heart Church, why we're doing what we're doing is Jesus is saying to us, listen, there are two roads going to two different destinations. The world teaches us, and many world religions are saying, no, all paths are leading upwards. They're all leading to God. They're all going in that direction. They're all going up to God. And Jesus says, no. Jesus says, two roads. And then they said, oh, and then the culture today would say, oh, how uninclusive. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to back it up with some credibility. I'm going to come and die on a cruel cross for you. Shed all of my blood for you. My body will be broken. And all of that is because you cannot get to God without the sacrifice, according to the Old Testament. And the Bible says, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus said, I can't say it because I'm actually the final sacrifice. God's only son. Can you? Like, I, you know, 40 years of this stuff. 
like full of the Bible. I still cannot even get my head around that God's only son came and surrendered to the Father's will and died on the cross. Like, like you know, like really? How can you do that? Some of us don't even like dealing with three people. And Jesus says, I'm going to come and die for all everybody. Even the people that work against me, I'm going to die for you. Even those who curse me and speak against me, Jesus says, I'm going to die for you. So then he says, there's two roads. One's leading to destruction, one's leading to life. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to Father but through me. So Jesus is letting us know we need to be really careful, everybody, that we're discerning the truth from the force because every one of our spiritual beliefs is taking us somewhere. Every spiritual belief is taking us somewhere. And so we've got to say, Lord, help us to put our belief in you. you know, and then interesting here into this passage, everybody, once again, Jesus starts talking to believers. <laughs> He's saying to people, hey, listen, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, unsaved people don't call Jesus. What's the word in Greek? Pastor Donna will know. Kurios, which is master, master. They're saying, the, they're saying in Greek, master, master, Lord, Lord. And uh, so they're basically saying, hang on, uh, we're walking with you and we've done this and we've prayed for people and they had a healing and somebody had a demonic thing come out. And Jesus says, I don't know you. I don't know you. That's why I'm just staying with this passage, everybody. So we realize, hang on a minute, there are people in churches around the world who go to church sometimes every week who Jesus says, I don't know you. I don't know you. And they're like, what do you mean? And, uh, and, and by the way, Jesus is not saying, I don't know about you. He's not saying, I don't know about you. He's saying, I just don't know you. Because I don't know you because you're not doing one thing. What is that? My will. The difference between those who will be lost and saved, according to Matthew chapter 7, in the end times, is not that people weren't doing religious activities. Jesus is saying the difference will be those who built their house on me. He said other people, even in church, are building another house. They look the same. You'll get houses look the same. Particularly in England, where I lived in a terrace house, it was like every house looked the same. When we moved there, Sean was three years old. We moved into a terrace in North London, and Sean said, I'm not living here. He's three years old. These houses are all the same. And then he goes, and someone has squashed them together. <laughs> I thought, good observation from a three-year-old from Sydney. <laughs> anyway, so... Sometimes it's like our lives. They look the same, but Jesus is saying, one house is built on me, and the other one is built on somebody else's own foundation. Jesus is saying to some believers at the end of the time, oh, listen, your foundation for your life is not me. It's you. <laughs> He's saying, your foundation, it's not me. Your foundation's you. And they're like, hang on, curious, curious, master, master, Lord, we've been doing a lot of spiritual stuff. He said, yeah, you were doing what you wanted to do. You did your will, 
and kind of put me over it from time to time. And Jesus is saying, I don't know you. I know about you, but I don't know you. This is huge, everybody. This is huge. So can you imagine in churches across Perth this morning, there's people going to church and Jesus saying, know about you, but I don't know you. And at the end day, we'll be going, hang on a minute. I was there Friday nights. Probably not, but <laughs> I was there. I did. I did. And Jesus said, mm-mm. Because Jesus is letting everybody know those who will be saved are not necessarily more moral. They're not, Jesus never said, oh, you'll be more moral. Jesus never said those who will be saved at the end time actually had more character than anybody else. Oh, yes. They are definitely going in because they've got more character. Everybody, you need to get this. Jesus, this, we're talking about true Christianity, true faith. Jesus was not saying, you're a more moral person, because I bet there's people here who are more moral than somebody else, and people got more character. Jesus said, it's not down to that. That's what I died for. But he nails it when he says, no, not everyone who says to me, curious, curious, master, master, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. So here's a question, everybody. Even about your life right now, is what you are doing what you are meant to be doing for God? Let me ask the question about your life. Is what you are doing, this is to believers, if you're not yet a believer, this is, you're not going to get this. But for believers, is what you are doing what you're meant to be doing with your life for God? True faith means that there will be a change of priorities. I have to say, as somebody who, where's all the people who can do independently quite well? It's quite a few of you. I'm not going to stand you up. You can... <laughs> There's a bunch of us. You can do life independently. You can do it. You can make things happen. You can do it in your, a lot of things in your own strength. When you're following the Lord, the Lord flips that, and He says, "I'll use it." But following me means you give me your strength. So it means you surrender it. So what happened is for me for the next 20 years of my Christian life, from becoming a Christian, uh, nearly 19, was that I was learning. God was saying, "No, no, surrender that to me." Surrender that to me. Surrender that to me. So is what you are doing what God has asked you to do? Are you doing God's will? Because Jesus says they're the only ones getting in. Everybody else is going to be, hang on a minute. Um, I went to Connect Group and I definitely made a cup of tea a couple of times on a Wednesday night for people I didn't even like. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's going to say no the guy's going to say no it's you who did my will it's you who did my will how do you know if you, that's you you're the person who is doing God's will wow this is huge oh my goodness well the grasp of the grace of God because a lot of people say I'm a grace Christian from a grace church, I've met a lot of those people. They make me smile. Because the grasp of grace on your life 
leads you to a surrender of your will. It leads you to a surrender of your will. There is a surrender to God and to his calling, and then you become personal with God. So that's what, begins, that's what happens in your life. And, uh, and so your priorities change, and you're surprised that you're allowing them to change. <laughs> my priorities were changing, and I was surprised. What am I doing here? My gosh, I'm doing this. And then every time I'd read the Bible, God, I, God's like, I love people, I love people, I love people, I love people, I love my church, I love my church, I love my church. And then he said to me, Dread, when will you? And I said to God, I don't like people very much. <laughs> he said, that's fine, I do. And as you surrender to me, I will give you my love for people. And I'd say to God, well, I'll serve them when you change them. And the Lord would say to me, no, surrender yourself to me. I'll change you and leave them to me. In Jesus' name. Okay, here's how you know. You'll be able to answer in five seconds whether you're going to heaven or not. You ready? If you're going to heaven... If somebody says to you about doing the will of God, hey, I think right now in this season, and particularly if they've got some spiritual authority, they've got some credibility, this is what God's got for you next, and you are easy to be entreated, really? Okay, I'm going to really pray about that. I'm going to really consider that. Then you are probably going to heaven according to what Jesus says here. But if you're the person, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that in church. I'm not doing that for God. You get a leader, a Christian, a pastor comes to you, and you react, and you're unteachable, and you can't be told. According to Jesus, I don't know you. I don't know you. When I was on staff at Hills Christian Life Center, became Hillsong Church all those years ago as an intern, I started to describing to God, what, as an intern pastor, what I would do and what I would not do. None of you have ever done that. I know you're all looking at me like, poor Pastor Jared. That's just absolutely shocking. How surprising. No, I'm like you. And so all those years ago, and I started saying, Lord, I'm not doing that. And I'm not doing it with him or her. And here's what the Lord said to me as I sat in my office all those years ago. Because I did, I did want to hear from God. I did want to know what was right. I really did. And the Lord said to me, Jared... I can't take you any further until you surrender to my will and stop judging my leaders, stop judging my people, and start serving them. I'm stopping you here. Wow. Very quietly, stop judging, stop judging church, stop judging Christians, stop judging leaders, and start serving I put in front of you. Guess what I started doing <laughs> after another hour of complaining? <laughs> All right. I will. I will. And as I began to, everything in my life began to change. If you are doing the will of God and you're on your way to heaven, listen, you are easy to be entreated. You are teachable. When you see many of the pastors and leaders and you look around, I think a lot of people think, how did they end up in that role? Well, I'm telling you now, it wasn't by a lottery ticket. <laughs> or, well, we need somebody from England, we need somebody from 
Zimbabwe, we need somebody from, we need a woman. We... There is none of that happening, people. But we're open to everybody, right? But how you end up here is because they are people who are surrendering to the will of God. They are becoming teachable. They are easy to be entreated. They are working on humbling themselves. And when I see that, then I know our staff will be a staff who are going to heaven. Woo. So if you're one of the ones Jesus is talking about, and as I said, the mark of the authentic Christian is not more character or more moral, actually. The mark of the authentic Christian is they are doing the will of God in their imperfection. And so here's the thing again. Just everybody gets this. The mark of the authentic Christian is teachability. They're the quickest repenters. The quickest repenters. You talk to an authentic person on their way to heaven, you say, hey, now listen, watch out for that. You need to slow down there, whatever. They're like, oh, really? Okay, I need to think about that. Gee, sorry, Lord, let me pull back there. Lord, have I got that wrong? Da-da-da-da-da. The moment you tell somebody who's not authentic, they're not really there, they're not going to heaven according to Jesus, they'll quickly attack you. After all, I've done. Don't you know who I am? What I'm carrying? What I have in the kingdom? blah, blah, blah. blah. And immediately I'm like, hmm, there I am 30 years ago. I know you. That was me 35 years ago. <laughs> Let's go further. <laughs> I'm being, being a bit mean to myself. Here we go. <laughs> no, 35, I can't go further than that. <laughs> Five years, yeah, totally there. Actually, maybe, no, I'm being a bit good. 33. <laughs> I was seven years. I totally get it. I was there. But my house was built on the foundation of me. Listen, everybody. You have to abandon your self-will in order to be a true Christian. To be a true Christian, you cannot have hope of salvation and your will. One of them has got to go. Let me say it again. You cannot have hope of salvation and your will and hang on to both. You either surrender your will, which is the message of the Christian gospel, and you hang on to Jesus and eternal life, or you hang on to your will, but that hope you release. Because Jesus is saying, it's the one doing my will. This is not my words, everybody. This is Jesus. I'm just trying to give you truth so that when I stand before the Lord, I go, Lord, I, I tried to tell people your word. They didn't, weren't loving it, <laughs> but I tried my best. You can't hang on to your will and hang on to the hope of salvation. Jesus said, no, it's the one who does the will of my Father. The message of the gospel, everybody, is the surrender of the human will to Christ. That is the message of the gospel. That is true faith. Not, I got this. Not, I'm enough. I'm not enough. I have to surrender to the one who is enough. And until I see my efforts as loss and then and then only, 
I haven't really built my house on the rock. I built it on me. Do you remember that story too? It's such a powerful story. 1, 1 Samuel 3 where God told um, Saul, get rid of everything that's evil. Get rid of all the, the livestock. Uh, chuck everything. Burn it. Get rid of it. All of this is evil. Belong to evil people. He, he said, get rid of it. And Saul keeps it. Keeps it back. And Samuel comes to him and says, what have you done? God told you to get rid of that. And he said, oh, I thought we might be able to use some of it for sacrifices later. That was a lie. Thought we could use it. And then Saul said to, uh, sorry, Samuel said to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better, 1 Samuel 15, 22, than sacrifice. We think, well, Lord, I gave up this for you. Obedience is better than whatever sacrifice we came up with. And you know what happened? God, what was, what was God's story with Saul again? We so need to get it, eh? Gee, he was saying to Saul, Saul, you kept yourself. God didn't want the, the animals. God didn't want the, the stuff. He wanted Saul. And he, said, he was saying to Saul, in keeping it, you kept you. You kept you from me. Everybody, when we keep things that God has said, hey, let it go. We are keeping ourselves from Him, from the revelation of Him, from the relationship of Him. When I give things to God that I don't want to give you and I don't want to sacrifice that and I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that, I am keeping myself from God. And God is not knowing me in that place. But when I say, Lord, help me to trust you, even though I was burnt by my own dad, Lord, help me now to trust you when I couldn't trust my own dad. Lord, I give it to you. God says, I know you. And the Bible says at the end of time, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and inherit the promises that I had before you before the foundations of the earth were laid out. So Saul was keeping himself when Simon Peter denied Jesus three times, as Jesus told him, Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. Simon Peter, no way would I ever deny you. Jesus goes, yeah, not just once. No, Jesus, everybody else will fall away, but not me. Jesus said, before the cock crows three times, Peter, you will have denied me three times. And then in his restoration with Simon Peter later in uh, the Bible, in John 21, he actually says to Peter, listen to this. He asked Peter the question, do you love me? And Peter goes, yeah, of course I do. Jesus goes, feed my lambs. And he asks him again, Peter, who would never deny me, the man who said he never would. Jesus goes, do you love me? He goes, Lord, of course I do. He goes, tend my sheep. Third time. I love how Jesus did it three times. Everything in the Bible, there's always a significance to it. Three times Jesus says, hey, Peter, yeah, you sure about that? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. What is he saying? The same thing he's saying to you and me. If you love me, you will feed the new Christians. If you love me, you'll feed the lambs, the new Christians. You'll look after them. You'll have a sensitivity and a care if you love me. We go, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. He goes, when did you last care for a new Christian? Jesus said, if you love me, you look after my sheep. Feed my sheep. What does that mean? 
Feed other believers with what God's given you. Don't take authority that's not given to you, but begin to feed other believers. Feed other sheep. Serve other sheep. Um, Finance the church for the feeding of the sheep. So we have all ideas about love and salvation. And, you know, I'm nice. Gave cookies to somebody once in Jesus' name. Jesus says, no, 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 cookies doesn't cut it. (laughs) Cookie cut, no. (laughs) Jesus says, if you love me, you're feeding my lambs to new ones. You're caring for the lost. You're caring for new Christians, if you love me. You're tending to them. You're looking around the flock for who I can help. You're looking at, how can I finance, Lord? What can I do to raise money, God, that would help to build your house and build your church, that would give confidence to this, the sheep here now, to then reach other sheep and you know, see lambs come into the kingdom? How can I do that, Lord? You're thinking about that. And then Jesus is saying, I think you love me. Because you love what I love. You love what I love. Look at this, everybody. The Bible tells us really quickly, Ephesians 2, 19, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. goes on and says, Being joined together grows in a holy temple in the Lord. If you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us we're fellow citizens. We were aliens. We were strangers. I don't want to say you're an alien, but the Bible says we were alien to God, strangers. But now we've been built and built onto the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the chief cornerstone, Jesus, into the structure called the church. Jesus loves the church. Ephesians 5.25, Jesus says, Husband, loves your, loves your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Listen, and gave himself up for her. Jesus saying, everybody, you need to get my priority. I love the church so much, I died for it. I died for the church. Goes on and says in um, Ephesians 5, he says, coming back to, to the, the church, a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. How's that? Through the blood of Jesus Christ that will be presented. Colossians 1, verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is just coming for the church. Paul says in Colossians 1, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I'm filling up what is lacking. Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body. His body, not individual bodies doing their own thing as Christians. No, but for His body, that is the church where God has placed believers in a local church set them in the body to fulfill his purpose and plan in that local place out into the world in Jesus name. Everyone, we are blessed to be able to provide for God's church. And it is the thing that he loves. And he's saying to you, do you love me? Do you love me? Tend my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my Sorry, first one was feed my lambs, sorry. Feed my lambs. Next one's tend my sheep. And the third one is feed my sheep. Jesus is saying make provision here for people to be fed, to receive the gospel here and in Melbourne and in Germany and in Zambia and in every other place the Lord takes us to, that when we're doing that, listen, you are doing the will of God. Everybody, you are doing the will of God. 
when we bring things to you for the heart for the house offering and when we're saying, hey, here's what's happening, we're not doing it because we're sitting and going, well, let's just come up with that idea. We're like, Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? And if I be honest, the pastors would tell you, buildings ultimately I don't care about. They'll all tell you I don't care about it. Ultimately, I don't. What I care about is what Jesus cares about, which is seeing people saved, shepherding the sheep, helping people, helping people recover, seeing people being restored, seeing people, our men right now with life-controlling issues, helping them to overcome, cheering them on, providing help for them and encouragement. All of these things are the very things that Jesus is asking us at Global Heart Church to do. We want to do His will. And Jesus says, hey, Global Heart Church, when you're doing my will, I know you. Come on. Come on. You don't want Jesus just to know about you, which He does. But He says it's through doing my will. I know you. You're doing my will. I know you. You're doing my will. I know. Do you know that I wake up most mornings and I'll say to the Lord still, Lord, help Sue and I to be helpful in your kingdom. And Lord, is this what you want us to do right now and in the future? Is this what you want us to do? Not, Lord, you know, Sue and I, we're going to pick up a house. You know, there's some cheap houses going in Brizzy. Lord, we're thinking of Brizzy. We like that river over there. No, no, we're not thinking anything like that. We're thinking, Lord, what is your will? What do you want us to do? And he says, stay planted, grow in love, <laughs> grow in giving, and I'll bless you and I'll use you to be a blessing. Do my will in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.